Hello, and welcome to the Empty Glass Podcast. This is Matt. This is Stefan. Hello. Hi. And welcome, one and all. Welcome, everybody. Uh, I hope everybody's had a good week so far. How have you been, Matt? I, I hope everyone's had a shit week. Welcome, everybody. Wow, very, very cordial of you, sir. Very, very cordial. We're, we are the yin and yang of life. Uh, you know, I never renamed the stream, but I think I'll just do it after the show. Why not? Who cares <laughs> at yeah. this point? Fuck not it. like anyone's watching. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, do you like my background on the stream? I guess I do, yeah. Uh, I think we're only going to be talking about Star Wars for maybe a hot second here. but Yeah, not uh, not for too long, but it's nice. It's just Coruscant. I think it's... the audio listeners, it's just Coruscant with I, ships. I think it's the right vibe to get Star Wars out of the way. So we can talk about other shit. Yeah, I think so too. And then maybe I'll change the background. Maybe I'll do something crazy. Eh, no need. Eh. Hey, you know, my Jerobo just connected to my computer. So if the stream glitches out or something, I'm so sorry. It's just, it's been temperamental today. That's my hard drive. Damn, dude. Well, so, I hate so you far, for so good. It. So far, so good. So <laughs> just crossing my fingers that it doesn't interrupt anything. Um, anyway... Yeah, let's let's talk about let's talk about Obi Wan. Let's get that out of the way. First of all, called it. Just putting that out there. Yeah, you definitely called it. That was like um, last episode. You, you mentioned or you you made the like theory. Uh, no, that was two episodes ago. Interesting. So when we covered ago. the first th- when we covered the first three, I literally thought of what they were doing, um, which honestly could have been completely avoided if they just didn't have the fucking youngling scene at the very beginning of the first episode. Like, it's not like it was a major kind of twist or anything like that, but it definitely was awkward to have the younglings getting attacked by the storm, by the clone troopers at the beginning of episode one, when they really could have just put it before this episode. It's a really quick scene. It's not like it padded that much, uh, but that's what, you know, that scene being in the first episode is like, Oh, okay. Well, clearly, you know, third sister's a youngling, so you know everything yeah, else kind of just put itself together. For sure, I still enjoyed it. Oh, I didn't dislike it. I just said like, if their goal was for it to be a surprise, they could have done it better. But for an actual character arc, it's it was done well. Uh, it seems like she'll hopefully die a villain, which is what I want, or at least uh, okay. And yeah, that's another thing I want to talk about. So what happens in the episode basically? The third sister, Reva, what Reva's her name, right? Uh, yes, Reva. She, her overall plan has been to kill Darth Vader. So that's why she became an Inquisitor. Darth Vader killed the younglings in her group when she was young and stabbed her in the chest. She survived and has spent all this time basically trying to get as close to Darth Vader as possible and to get him off guard so she can kill him in revenge, which is what I guessed two episodes ago. And... It's not a bad arc for a character. It really isn't. My only gripe with it was I wanted her to stay a bad guy. I didn't. I don't want her to be redeemed. At the end of this episode, what ends up happening is Darth Vader stabs her just like he did when she was a kid, and it seems that she's still alive and learns about Luke, basically. Uh, so more than likely, the next episode will be her on Tatooine to some degree, which I'm hoping she dies in Tatooine because I really like her character. I do. I, this is another kind of close the book situation. I really want her arc to end on the next episode. I don't want her to be found in like other Star Wars extended lore shit. Just because, like, it's a very one note character. 
she's good. I like her. She's actually been refreshing, as I said, but there really isn't that much room for her. And I don't need another redeeming arc in like Star Wars or really another story. It's like all these characters will, all villains will become good guys at one point. I'm like, no, just have her die. It's okay. Thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I, I think they might still keep her a villain. It seems like she is probably, I don't know. It's just, it's odd because it's like Vader never knew about his kids until later on, you know, until Luke. Well, I guess he did. So, well, he know, knew about he, one kid. He knew about Luke, at least. Um, he knew there was one child. He did not really know where they were, even though they named the kid after him, like, you know, Skywalker. <laughs> but, you know, fair. Well, you know, Vader's the one to tell Luke that he's his father. So he has to know somehow. And maybe this is going to show like a moment of understanding from Vader. Maybe, maybe that's what they're leading up to. They'll keep third sister evil. Um, She's going to maybe try to get back in with them because she knows this new information and Vader might find out about Luke, but then like destroy the people around him and keep Luke safe because he's like, I'm not going to mess with that kid. Who knows? I would, I would not like that. Um, it, yeah, I, I don't know it, where it they're going to go. It, I, fucks, I'm like, it fucks with like, it fucks with the whole idea of like Anakin not knowing about his children, at least until later on. Like, I feel like he only knew that Luke was his son because of the fact that they fought and like connected over the force, you know? And I think um, Skywalker probably was a dead giveaway. I think now it's an excellent point for Darth Vader's part in the show to check out. I think he's had his moment and everything like that. I think the Empire's had its moment. Just let the last episode be about uh, Reva going after Luke on Tatooine and Obi-Wan trying to fix all that. Right. At At this point, I think it's about it's the right time for. Vader and Anakin to kind of check. I mean, yeah, Vader and Anakin to check out and let Obi-Wan get to where he needs to be for episode four. Yeah. What'd you think about that Anakin Obi-Wan fight scene? That's cool, right? It was very cool. In fact, I would even say the choreography was better than episode three. Uh, Only problem with it is they kept cutting story where I would have just liked, you know, one long fight with them. I get it was more for, um, Allegory purposes, which I have no problem with at all. It's very good. It's just a just a little thing of like I would like to get someone to get a YouTube cut and just put the entire fight scene in one clip rather than it being cut up throughout the show episode. That's already happened. Yeah, I'm sure it has. But uh And it cuts together beautifully. It's pretty great. I would say the it, choreography is not necessarily better than episode three, but definitely better than the sequel series. When the actual fighting I mean, because Episode three is still good, but episode three is a lot of like back and forth, you know, left, right, right left, right. Where this one had like parries, dodges, you know. Felt like they were actually sparring. It, it was cool. It's still flashy. Don't get me wrong. It's still like not realistic, but it's it, it's a lot more kind of nuanced in the fight rather than just intense back and forth, which is still, you know, for so many reasons, episode three fights the best fight of Star Wars for like story purposes, character purposes, all, all that good shit. And also still very good choreography and scenery. But I thought this one was a little bit more, I like this was closer to what I was hoping the sequels would be where you, you do a more realistic, intense kind of uh, fighting, which episode seven 
yeah, the Force Awakens, it did have. It did have that, and I was very excited about it, but then they kind right. of threw that out the window, and I was like, okay. Yeah, fine. Uh, yeah, you know, it reminded me kind of of like the Darth Maul choreography, where it is flashy, but they don't go over the top. It's everything seemingly makes sense. They're like every strike is very well paced and planned. And Matt and I, being the complete fucking nerd boys we are, did a couple years in fencing, Matt more than me. And um, I felt like, yeah, the fight definitely invoked more of that. But, you know, it's I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's like the best Star Wars fight of all time, obviously, but it's... it's oh, I don't think it is either. It, it seriously felt correct. Everything felt correct. And I did like how they, um, they did de-age Hayden Christensen a little bit, but they didn't go over the top. And I actually kind of appreciated that more than I Boy. hate on it. They uh, should not have given Hayden Christensen an under light with a lightsaber because you really see those wrinkles pop out. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what's cool is he still vibes the same to me, you know, and it, if you can just sort of ignore it, it's great. Oh, yeah. You know? it's, I'd prefer this other than like, you know, CJ Mark Hamill or anything like that. I, or fake I, voice acting and fake um, choreography because, you know, he's there and they're doing it and yeah, he looks older, but I mean, he's still playing the part and I can, I can see it kind of fitting in between episode two and episode three when they're sparring like that, you know, like this is right before Anakin grew out his, grew out his hair. Um, he certainly still looks younger in revenge of the Sith, but I mean, to me, I, I was still just so happy to see them fight at their peak because we're looking at an old man, Obi-Wan and a pretty new Darth Vader who's still getting used to all of his stuff and prefers Ian to McGregor, fight Ian McGregor looks way too young uh, <laughs> for how old he's supposed to be, especially since he turns into Alec Guinness like 10 years later. Like They should have given him a little bit more gray, honestly. I can see it. 10 years does a lot, especially when you're like in your 50s, going from your 50s to your 60s. I think it's a big difference. So it, yeah, to just, me, it felt okay. Saying. What's interesting is that they're still like putting a lot of old man makeup on Ewan McGregor. Whereas like Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen now look like they could be about the same age, but in real life, just like in star Wars, they're like 10 years apart. So it's kind of crazy. Um, Ian McGregor just, I think aged better. Um, but you know, it doesn't matter. I think that like, you know, Hank Christensen embodied Anakin very well and it felt like it could have been a scene, you know, from another movie. Um, no, for but sure, all I'm like, saying is give Obi-Wan some, just, just a little gray spray on the hair, just a little bit more because yeah, his, his hair is way super like brown. Yeah. Is but he, I mean, like in 10 years, like, but in 10 years, you know, like I said, a lot happens in 10 years. So I can see his hair having some color now and still being pretty good. Um, cause he's, he is wrinkly and he's older. You can see it in his eyes. <laughs> thanks to the last shot of the re- most recent episode. They're the third to last shot before it goes to the wide of tattooing and then the close up of little Luke sleeping. Um, <laughs> I thought that that kind of almost made me laugh a little bit. I'm sorry, but this so, this show is very shaky cam, man. They're really handholding the fucking camera. It's so bad. Like when uh, Reva was talking to Obi Wan through the door, uh, it was when really she decides. Awful. Yeah, when she t- decides for her battalion to like back up or whatever. When she tells them to hold their fire. When she's gonna go like approach o- the door to talk to Obi-Wan that camera shakes back and forth and back and forth. I feel like I'm on a boat. And then the very, it's like awful. I said, the third to the last shot of the show of the episode, 
um, Obi-Wan's like, I'm sure it's nothing. Um, while I guess somehow sensing through the force that, um, Reva found his tracker or his communication device. Um, and the camera just like goes closer to his eyes and it's just shifting like left to right to left to right. Like you can tell this is just somebody holding a camera. I mean, like no rig, no nothing. And I'm like for a multi-million dollar star Wars thing, like y'all are definitely taking that, trying to give it invoke that indie type edge. And I don't think it's working very well. Yeah, it's, it's not good. It looks Especially aged, for Star it Wars, looks aged it's already. It looks like this came out in like 2012 or 13. You know, it's giving me those vibes. And maybe that was like the time that they were doing the pre-production for all this. But like after Disney, soon after Disney, you know, took up all this shit. But I learned it's something. Same, oh, okay, continue. You're good. You're good. I was just going to say, it's the same thing of why I don't like um, found footage films. It's like if I'm watching a film, I expect like a good production, especially if coming from Disney. I expect someone to be able to buy a fucking camera stand. It's not hard. Like I know for, I guess, general audiences, it can come off as like, like they don't notice it. So that's, that's all subconscious acting. When you see a shaky camera, like, Oh, I'm unsettled for the scene. But for anyone who's like, has any bit of interest in behind the scene of movies, it just comes off as like, you see through what they're doing and you see it just being kind of obnoxious, you know, you, you shouldn't have to rely on a subconscious factor to get every audience or the majority. I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm free, I'm phrasing this very poorly. I'm just, all I'm saying is if you have any interest in behind the scenes, this shit really fucking stands out and it's nauseating. Yeah. I, I don't understand what the point was <laughs> in the like general oversight of, or what they call the scope of this project. But um, it seems dated in some ways, you know, and it seems like a fan project in a lot of ways. So, I mean, I've interesting. I've, I've talked to uh, like my girlfriend's really not into like movies too much, and like we watched something with a shaky cam, and I was like, ah, oh, man, this camera's like annoying. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, the camera's moving all over the place. She's like, is it? Like she didn't, she really didn't notice it. Uh, and that's just because I mean, I remember back in Man of Steel, that was only part of time where I kind of started to notice it, but you noticed the fuck out of it. And I didn't, I don't think I really started paying attention or I didn't nail on the head what was going on. until so he said, I'm like, Oh, that is what's up with it. So, so I just for people that aren't movie heads or movie buffs to that extent, uh, they don't really care, I guess, which is nice. I want to say the first time I noticed like incredibly shaky cinematography type work was, um, probably like Blair Witch Project when I was like 11 or 12 watching it at Richard's house and that movie like basically made me sick. Well, that's um, a different thing. That's a Well, look, 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 but it kind of builds up to this, all right? Yeah. So that movie kind of made me sick and I was like, dude, like that, that like gave me motion sickness, all right? And then um, uh, Cloverfield made me sick in the theater. Quarantine made me sick in the theater. So I'm like, dude, okay, handheld found footage type films is like even paranormal activity. I'm like, I'm, I'm losing my mind here. I can't really handle these kinds of movies. And it wasn't until like paranormal activity where I would watch other movies and I would start to kind of feel a little bit sick. And I'm like, why do I feel a little bit sick? Well, lo and behold, I'm starting to notice, you know, I start looking at the edge of the frame. And once you start learning that, like, once you look at the edge of the frame, you can tell when it's zooming, you can tell when it's moving, you can tell when it's a handheld shot. 
dude, I started getting fucking motion sickness from that. And so I went to go see Man of Steel, uh, probably with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And I... And your friend, Matt. And you, right? And I was literally getting sick during that fucking movie. I was like, dude, I cannot look at the screen. And I got a raging headache. And it's because not a single shot in that... I mean, I will give it to Obi-Wan that they do have a lot of steady shots. And I'm like, good, stay there. You know what I mean? Like, I catch myself thinking these things. But they don't. Um, And, you know, Man of Steel just had me, like, literally looking away from the screen, looking down, away. And, and like, really, I just didn't... I couldn't enjoy that movie because it's just too much. Literally every shot is fucking handheld. And I'm like, there's a time and a place for that. And then I go to a movie like Brick by Ryan Johnson, and that's all handheld, but you can tell they're trying to stay as still as fucking possible. And that scene where he's like running straight, like, dude, that camera holds so still. And you know it's handheld, but like they are making an effort to keep the handheld shots as steady as possible, which is impossible, but I'll I'll take a little bit of movement over some dramatic twisting and turning of the camera panning up to Riva or, you know, Darth Vader walking out of his ship and it's just like, like you're walking alongside him. And I'm like, this is not the vibe. See, it's, uh, in my opinion, in my humble opinion as not a, not someone in the business whatsoever. Uh, I kind of think it can be a little bit lazy, um, or misguided artistry because it, like I said, like that type of camera movement, in, in the mainstream things, like majority of the time, I don't know about the other percentage, but the majority of the time it's used as a uh, artistic interpretation of losing control. Like that's why in Obi-Wan you see it when he's talking through Reva, like their their back is to the wall. Like the, the situation is so out of control and everything that the camera's out of control, like quite literally. I disagree because I mean, it's, it's out of control in a bunch of different places too. I mean, in places where it really shouldn't be like Owen well, talking I mean, to Obi-Wan, you know? Yeah, but that's a situation of uh, Obi-Wan feeling like unwanted or something like that. Also, Obi-Wan talking to the other Jedi in Tatooine, like that was really shaky as well. And that's to kind of stipulate like, oh, his perfect moments out. It's just, it's to literally destabilize yourself from the situation like Obi-Wan is being destabilized or some other characters being destabilized. Like it's, it, I believe that's a, general mindset as shaky cam not just an obi-wan but a lot of things is to make you feel destabilized or in the case of man of steel it's supposed to make something more realistic which is more misguided absolutely in my opinion because at the end of the day you see a guy flying in space so it's just going to be unrealistic it's fine so it's suspension is disbelief i can i can i can agree with that um but what i disagree with is it's not so much that it does work in in some of those cases, but it's an outdated approach and it's jarring. And we know that now. I mean, there's Ronin. I can go buy myself a Ronin stabilizer for like 300 bucks right now. And it'll do way better cinematography than what was in all of Obi-Wan right. for $300. Or I can get an iPhone stabilizer and get more steady shots that are cleaner than what we see but in my- Obi-Wan. I do think your first analysis is in this case is more correct that it's just kind of maybe coming from a place of laziness or not enough production planning. Well, hold on, whatever. Hold on. You, you didn't let me finish my point. So either way, cause like I, I do think in some circumstances it is just completely 
or I think in all circumstances, it is misguided for the most part. I think it's used as a kind of inter- artistic interpretation, you know, laziness too, but artistic interpretation of like trying to like get an audience unhinged. But either way, it is outdated. I agree with you there. And it is, I think, in my opinion, a bit of a crutch in the sense that like a movie or show story should get you unhinged, should get you uncomfortable more so than a camera work. If the camera work is making you uncomfortable, which I think some cinematographers think they're helping in that situation, I think it's wrong. <laughs> you, sh- you should keep the camera still for the most part, or you should do your best to keep the shot in frame and the story and the actors are the items that make you uncomfortable, not the camera. Like absolutely, period. absolutely. Use the space. Use lighting. Use something. Sorry, I bumped the mic three times. Well, um, you said lighting at the same time. Our background started lightening up. Wow, <laughs> crazy! Uh, but totally use lighting. Like do something else. Um, that's where I'll give it a little bit to J.J. Abrams because at least you know he can hold the fucking camera still or put it on a rig. <laughs> yeah, this lighting's outrageous. Or yeah, at least in Star Trek. At least in Star Trek, he kind of dialed it back a little bit in Star Wars, but definitely still used it. But you can, you got to admit, like, think about the oh, shot no, when Kylo Ren stops that laser bolt. I mean, you see that bolt in action. It pans all the way around Poe and all the way back to Kylo Ren without shaking a single bit, you know? So it's like, well, that was a tense, awesome scene that made you feel out of control without ever shaking, you know? You use a simple pan and zoom. The fuck? So, you know, there's just better ways to do it. It might just be the directing style of Deborah Chow. Um, but she did such marvelous work on Mandalorian and so clean, you know. I don't remember a bunch of shaky shit going on in her episodes uh, of The Mandalorian. I mean, it's it's hard to say who's making decisions because, you know, the cinematographer and the director are two different people. And the director does have final say for them, usually, you know. this well, In a kind of corporate like Disney, it's hard to say who gets a final say, but... Uh, you you do let your DP do their work, but as director, you're supposed to have a video monitor and you are basically, your eyes on that video monitor. You're not looking at the set around you unless there's a, you know, wild um, special effect that you need to move away from and just let your DP do what they do. And you can't look at the monitor because you got to watch for this uh, practical that's going to drop from the ceiling and make sure it's not going to kill anybody. So you, you know, you're ready to call cut if you need to. Um, but in every way, the director is kind of the camera. Responsible. No, absolutely. The director is walking around with what they call the director viewfinder, which is a, a piece of eyeglass, kind of like a spyglass, where you can set it to different types of millimeters or what we call focal lengths. So you got like 35 millimeter for kind of a, a wide shot somewhat. You got 18 millimeter very wide. You got 28 millimeter kind of in between. You got 50 millimeter, 80 millimeter, however big, however many um, different focal lengths that your director's viewfinder has. And you can also change your aspect ratio. So like on looking through the spyglass, it kind of emulates a camera and it's the director's job to kind of pre-visualize the scene with a director's viewfinder. And then, relay that information to the cinematographer. In this case, we call it the DP, the director of photography and the director of photography is supposed to use the director's uh, vision and points as well as a storyboard to understand the shot. They block the shot first. So they pre-plan it and then they actually do a take. And then sometimes it's multiple takes before they're done. So in my eyes, yes, it could be um, all these shots were planned. 
you know? So if it was there, it's probably intentional that the camera is handheld. It was a, it was a director's choice and it's the director's vision at the end of the day. And they're there to be the camera in, in pretty much every way. Right. But, um, uh, was COVID during the production of this? I think it was. Very likely. Um, so Very I likely. I don't know what Disney's thing of it was, but it's possible maybe Deborah was not... Uh, I, maybe, like, not physically present. Like, I don't know. They, like, would digitally stream. Like, I, I'm sure she had to be. I don't know. It may have interfered in some way or another. That's not a pass or, or a... Well, they use, remember their, their backgrounds are rendered backgrounds via their screen technology, which is running Unreal Engine 4 at all times. And that Unreal Engine is connected to the camera and it's a soundstage. So you don't need a bunch of audio people. You don't need a bunch of lighting people. You don't need all these things. You really just need set designers and your actors and your props. That's it. And your camera, like whatever, however many cameras, this seems to be a one camera show, meaning every time they yell cut, they're moving angles. They don't have a bunch of cameras set up all over the place to capture everything. Maybe in the action scenes, but I doubt it. Anyway, I'm so curious that background, I- that background sinks to the camera literally. And so they're able to also use the pre-visualization tools that they've created in unreal engine to block out a scene before they do it. So Deborah Chow was more than likely there the entire time because she's the showrunner director and they don't need to have nearly as many people of crew on set. They might only have four or five people of crew on set and far away from the actors because it's a digital soundstage with a panoramic screen. There's no blue screen, green screen um, and a bunch of people there to pull you up on a wire and all that shit, right? It's just y'all are there and that screen that surrounds you is now going to light you and it's going to make you look like you're actually there. People that have worked on the show were like, dude, I almost walked into that fucking thing, you know? (laughs) So question for you in your expertise, um, because you would think with something like that, especially where the background is synced with the camera and everything, wouldn't you think that the camera is on a crane, a very specific movement each time and that the, move that the shaky cam is probably is possibly digitally altered and editing. No, I think the shaky cam is there, uh, because, because of the screen being synced with a camera, it's real time. And what it could be is it could be a subconscious show off of this technology. Like look how shaky we can make the camera in the background stays in sync. You know what I'm saying? So um, I don't I was, know, but I've seen people use this rig and I've seen people go handheld and being like, yeah, you can go handheld and it makes you feel like it. So it could also okay. just be an effect that they're trying to use to also sell the set that they were using at the time. It could also be that, but Mandalorian did the same technology and managed to not, I don't think really have a standout shaky camera scene in my eyes. Oh. I was playing, and this has to do with it. I'm not going off on a random ass tangent. I was uh, playing the game Outriders, which is basically another looter shooter game, if anyone doesn't know, similar to Destiny. Um, fairly fun. Not great. Not not amazing. I, the gameplay's a lot of fun. I've been enjoying it. I'm actually going to probably play tonight. But um, the cutscenes, first of all, the story are awful. It's awful. You could skip every single cutscene if you want to. But uh, the cutscenes have shaky cam. Like it's it's a lot of movement there, and I'm just like, why the fuck would anyone? 
I mean, that's pretty much going into Unreal Engine or whatever engine it was built on and just literally pivoting the camera every few seconds to make sure it has almost a fluid movement or something. I'm like, why would anyone take again, the time to do this? Again, it's used by motion capture. So my guess is that the cutscenes they did with motion capture had the actors I, in the bodysuit and that dude, camera I doubt it's motion captured. I doubt it. And the Hold camera on. follows those actors and it's a real camera hooked up and it's like, it, it's a digital camera, but it's real. I mean, I can do it with my iPhone. I can, I can sync up to my iPhone using unreal engine and move it and it will literally sync up to the camera. So that could be very well. What they did is that they like Bluetooth or use the unreal engine link tool to link to their fucking iPhone and then controlled the rig using the gyroscope in their iPhone to make that intentionally shaky or make it look like they're holding the camera or even move the camera around like they're filming it. That's probably more than likely what they did. Well, it's fucked up. The, the, the point is at the end of the day, uh, Disney representatives, uh, future cinematographers, future directors listening to this podcast right now, because we know everything about the industry, even though we've never, had, well, never been on a big project or anything like that, but don't do that. Don't shake a cam. Hold a still shot. Or, uh, if you're doing an independent movie, hold that shit as, uh, solid as you can. Like they do in brick. That's, that is your lesson for a day. Uh, you may turn in your homework at the end of class. Yep. Uh, and so all in all, uh, where would you put, sorry, we went on a huge tangent there about, uh, camera work and stuff, but, where would you put the latest Obi-Wan show? Uh, did you like it? I did. I, I would say I, I, I enjoyed it. Cool. I, I enjoyed it too. It I'm excited was, to see how they're going to wrap it all up. I mean, that's, I, that's just where I'm at. I'm like, as it is right, right now, as is. Okay. So hold on. Like 100% they're going to have Liam Neeson in the next episode, right? I hope so. Cause the thing is there, there came a point and I hated this phrase like uh, a few years ago. It's like, oh, they have to do this. It's like, you know, Mr. Fantastic has to be in the news, Doctor Strange. Like, they have to do it. Like, I hated that phrase because it's like, why are you, like, why can't you just be welcoming of a surprise to happen? Like, they don't have to do anything. A filmmaker doesn't have to do shit for its audience. Like, it's a filmmaker's job to deliver a good story and hopefully something new to you. But now it's become the point of Disney, like, no, they are actually going to do it. So it's turned from they have to do it to, like, they literally have to do it. <laughs> so yes. it's it's very unfortunate. Um, I actually would, because of that mindset, I would actually be very okay if he didn't show up in the next episode. But, you know, it's Disney. I'm pretty sure they can give Liam Neeson, like, $2 million just to show up for five minutes in a wig to play a Force Ghost or something. For sure. I really hope so. I really hope so. I mean, uh, it's I don't know. It's so. kind of up in the it's kind of up in the air because um, something else I wanted to just touch on with Obi Wan. One last second. This is oh sorry. I pulled up the. I don't want to get our stream fucking banned because it played two seconds of a song that's apparently copyrighted by different people, and I didn't know about this. So, on on Instagram on the Obi Wan or the Star Wars Instagram. Um, they posted like a sneak peek trailer for episode five, which is the most recent one. And they use the duel of fates in there, the Darth Maul versus Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn song. And somebody said, put the soundtrack on the series. Come on. And I felt compelled to reply. And I said, or someone said they don't have the rights. And I said, they do though. Right. Cause if they didn't, 
why wouldn't they have used it here? Like they used it in their promotional material. John Williams wrote the Obi-Wan theme. Disney owns Lucasfilms and Fox and all of Star Wars. So they should have the rights. Of course they have the rights. And, um, and I just made a quick note. I was like, they teased us with this song three times, not only in the ri- the R- rise of Skywalker trailer, but in the first Obi-Wan trailer, they used that song and now they're using it again. And the same guy who said they don't have the rights came back to me and I think opened my eyes to some shit. I haven't done full research into this, but he said, actually wrong. George Lucas is the producer and it was released by Sony classic, the original soundtrack and all the soundtrack for the prequel series. Disney doesn't actually own this music starting with the force awakens. They didn't actually own the rights, but they can post it on social media and use just a snippet of it because that's almost free of charge slash less money than buying the full rights to the music, which is why they haven't put it in a feature film or a TV show. It's another way for them to make money in a totally different path. And I was like, damn, what a response. But also dual fates, Phenomenal song, of yeah, course. Yeah, like, I, they should just uh, use it. Fuck them. <laughs> no, hold on. That's not what I was going to say. Don't use it. Don't use it. Don't use it. Because it's a very specific song for a very specific uh, Fight. Theme, in, theme in Star Wars, uh, which doesn't really have much to play on in this one, since it's literally just kind of a good versus evil type situation. And also... I like know, the Obi-Wan uh, theme, too. It's cute. Okay, hold on. I don't know if you know this, but like every time I hear the introduction of Obi Wan, like when the name shows up and it does the bum 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 bum, it's like almost exactly the same theme as the Spider Man game. Oh the yeah, you know what? Bum, 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 bum. Like it's right, fucking it identical. Is. You're right. It is. Oh my god. So every time it shows up, I think like, oh cool, Spider Man. It does change like immediately after that intro into a different song, but it's almost the same notes and everything. Yeah. What the point is of those first few notes actually is to mirror like the Mandalorian's um, little scale motif it does when you have the Star Wars intro and it's like flashing the lights, the colored lights past like metal 3D models of Darth Vader and the Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so that's that's the point of those first three notes is actually to match that, which is, which is cool, I think. It's cool that John Williams so- is like, hey, I'm taking that musical idea and I'm going to use that. So I think uh, based off of everything I've seen so far, I've seen, you know, literally five, six, 90, 90% of the, of, 90% of the show. I don't think I literally do not think anything can be done in the last episode to make me say this was a great series. It's a good series, but it really has not done anything groundbreaking at all. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not even really disappointed because I, you know, I think Disney, shows and movies are devolving into just a kind of good situation. And I, I hope they don't turn into a mediocre type situation, but I, it's kind of turning that way. Like you have a great concept here with Ian McGregor come back for Obi-Wan and yet you get just kind of good, which had all the potential to be great or even better. But I think in, you know, I could be saying shit early, but I don't think there's anything in the last episode that can really, push the entire series as a whole into a great, this was worth it category for me. Yeah. But you know, I've, I've bitched about my opinions about Marvel and Disney shit. Like 
multiple episodes. To high so, heaven. <laughs> to high yeah, heaven. You, you know where my kind of viewpoint is on that one. But I don't, I don't disagree with you. I think it's kind of in the same realm for me, and it's just going to... I don't necessarily think... And I did, I did really enjoy the last episode, so I mean, even if the last episode of the series is kind of a bore... I, I really don't mind. I mean, it's cool that we got to see these guys one more time, at least, you know. It's just kind of like that. Oh, cool, you know. And it's a it's a nice little offshoot um, for the whole saga. But I'm excited to see what they do with going into something like Knights of the Old Republic where they'll have some more creative freedom, but also be blocked in a little more by some rules of the story and see how well they follow it because Knights of the Old Republic has a massive following, a way bigger following than Obsidian, the people who made it and Bioware, right? Did um, they confirm that they are doing Knights of the Old Republic? Yeah, they confirmed they're going to be doing Knights of the Old Republic, uh, either uh, as a, mm-hmm. as a movie series or a TV series. They're not too sure yet. Um, One thing I did like is that, uh, Ice Cube was rocking the, uh, crossbow. Yeah, I, I really has. did enjoy Ice Cube's, Ice Cube's little baby. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, God damn, everyone in that fucking show is a pretty much a nothing character. Even when the Game of Thrones girl died, I was like, are were we supposed to have more of a connection? I mean, she was cool, I guess. Like, she was. Yeah, I kind of felt com- bad. I felt bad for the robot, too. It was sad. Oh, it's my sad God. The, Fuck robot. the robot. I didn't give a shit about the robot, and I wanted to give a shit about the robot. They couldn't have him use the hammer once. I really, I really wanted to see him bash a stormtrooper with the I hammer. I thought he bashed a couple of them with it, bro. I watched it nah, twice. His, I watched it twice because I watched it with Rose after work, and then when Dad came home, he wanted to watch it, and that was at like nine o'clock at night. So I stayed up to like almost ten, and I was like, Jesus, I'm getting fucking tired already. But I watched it twice, and I think he actually does use the hammer. You might just need to check it out again. I don't think so. I think he just uses an arm. But either so. way, it's. That the character showed up in episode three, and it's like, oh, we're gonna do the slow motion shot for this one that you see all the time. I'm like, okay. And then she says, May the force be with you. That's another situation. I'm like, oh, she had to say it, which I went into last time. I think why the May the Force be with you has been has been being used by the wrong characters too many times in the newer Star Wars. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, it you can say may the force be with you, like in the prequels, because the Jedi are very much present. And exist and have a strong foothold in the know, galaxy. But maybe, you know, she was around obviously during Order sixty six and during that time. So maybe it was just a form of respect. At regardless, because she grew up around that time. You know, no regardless. What. Either way, uh, it that phrase has been spoiled to me mainly by Laura Dern from uh, <laughs> Laura Dern ruined that phrase for me. Yeah, from uh, Last Jedi. Right. Anyway, uh, Stephen. Heads or tails? Let's go with heads. I was thinking tails, so I will do the mid mid things. Hey, guys, we just want to take this point of the show to thank you for watching. Uh, if you're honest with Twitch right now or if you listen to a previously recorded episode on Twitch, uh, join us next, usually Thursdays, unless some shit comes up, uh, to come in our chat, not on our faces, and uh, put some good comments there that we can talk to you about and whatnot. And then you can also go to www.TheEmptyGlassPodcast.com if you'd like to listen to us on Podbean, Apple, Spotify, wherever podcasts are usually sold, you know, for monthly fee or whatever. And once again, that is www.TheEmptyGlassPodcast.com. We look forward to talking to you some more. Good good shit. Uh, But one thing is that podcasts are free. So that's the benefit of listening Not to us. Not if you pay a subscription fee to Spotify or Apple to have no ads. 
I don't get, I don't have free podcasts. Interesting. I have, you shouldn't either. I don't have ads on my Spotify or Apple me or Apple podcasts ever. Mm. Hmm. Very weird. Anyway. Uh, so Xbox, uh, did you watch Xbox's game show? Oh yeah, I did. All of it. Um, basically. Okay, so I have a list here. Um, I'm just going to go through these bad boys one at a time, if that's cool with you. And we can, let's, if let's you have an it. opinion over it, you can share it. Let's do it. Okay, first off, uh, Bethesda released a trailer and some gameplay for an upcoming co-op game, Redfall, which is basically different characters, uh, different folks of different kinds, hunt uh, a whole bunch of vampires in a big old open area. Stefan. What did you think of Redfall? Have you watched any of it? I did. Um, it's cool. It's it feels very Left 4 Dead. That that is what a lot of people are saying. It is very Left 4 Dead, and it's kind of feel and everything like that. Uh, love the gunplay. This is the same people who did Dishonored and uh, Arcane Studios. They did Dishonored and that other game, who I can't think of right now. I mean, neither. I'm trying to think. Oh, Prey. Prey. They did Prey. The remake um, of Prey. Yes, so this one is going to be a little bit more gunplay focused, and it actually looks a lot more gunplay focused. Like the gunplay is tightened up. I think they also Arcane also did Deathloop, which the gunplay on that one was pretty good. Um, I always wanted to try that game, but I never got a chance. Maybe wait for it to go to Game Pass or something. I love Deathloop. I thought it was a great game, but it's definitely a one and done game. Like you cannot recapture that game once you beat it, right? Because it's such a one-time experience, you learn all the sec- like part of the fun is learning all the secrets of that game. But once you learn them, you can't really go back. Um, but yeah, overall, so I think it, it's exciting. It looks very much like Left 4 Dead to me. Yeah, it looks it looks like fun, and there's different classes of different people. You got a sharpshooter, magic person, gadget guy, gadget gr- no gadget girl. I appreciate the straightforwardness. Guy that it looks like it possesses because back for blood was supposed to be like the next left for dead. And it got spoiled by this card and upgrade system. That means you have to grind in order to get past even the first few levels, no matter what difficulty you're playing on. Um, this seems like it's a lot more straightforward. You jump into a game, you play the game, the game's over, you know, you guys either survive or you die and that's it. Yep. I and, appreciate uh, that very much. So about this, about that, what's it called again? Fire, firefall. Redfall. Redfall, like my bad. Blood fall, I guess. Right, it, right. But they use red because it's more uh, PG. Can I uh just can I uh add one more thing to about about Redfall that I, I like too is Of course. I think if I am correct, they might give you an ability to sprint backwards. And that's one of my favorite things in a first person shooter. Oh, uh. Okay. Um, yeah, that actually that, that is very so cool. fucking awesome. I I miss uh, the only game I know of that uses that is Killing Floor Two. <laughs> Literally, like that's the only game I know of that lets you sprint backwards. So if if what I'm hearing is true and they're gonna like implement that as a feature, that'd be sweet. I would love that. Please do that. Yeah, that would be super cool. And um, I'm and I also like the different class systems. I I like a varied gameplay and shit. So. You know, because I'm usually I like using snipers in games when I have the option, uh, but also I like changing up when I get bored of that. So Redfall looking good, baby. Uh, next is I'm skipping through some of these because not I I kind of know the ones that don't really work for me and ones that kind of don't work for you either. Obsidian is oh so they're doing the 40th anniversary for Flight Simulator, 
where you, did you see this? You'll be able to fly a pelican. Yeah, I saw that. Halo. <laughs> I'm I'm more snore on that because I was really hoping that they would talk about Halo Infinite and do something about Halo Infinite's story mode that we were supposedly going to get co-op mode for. It never happened. We're supposedly nah. going to get upgrades to the story and the world where there's going to be like wildlife and, and uh, more plants and animals. Never got it. Uh, different enemy types and never got it. So maybe they're either still working on Halo Infinite and they figured this would like just pad people over until they have it ready. But my theory is that they've already kind of given up on Halo Infinite because it's not doing I feel, so well. I feel like, um, I mean, the fan base would have never allowed it, but I feel uh, Halo Infinite was a had some very good innovations, but for the most part was kind of a drop the ball kind of aspect of it. I do appreciate that the multiplayer is free. Um, I do appreciate the free DLC because they do, they did have a new, a couple new maps come out for multiplayer. Um, and I do appreciate that you do not have to pay to win. Usually the guns that are the guns are the guns, you know, you're just paying for cosmetic shit. If you really want to do that, They're, which by the way, their armor systems broken, but I won't even touch on that. But what sucks for me is that I do like the online aspect and you know, Caden still plays it. My brother, he still plays it and he loves it and it still has a very active community. So that's great. It hasn't completely gone away. People are still playing the game. Um, especially a lot of PC people are playing the game. They, they find it entertaining, but what's sad to me is that I felt like, you know, the pre-concept trailers for Halo Infinite seemed like they already offered more than what we got for the campaign. Um, I felt like the campaign was supposed to kind of have this idea that you never really can stop playing similar to the Skyrim or, um, an elder Scrolls game where there's so much to do that it's, it's oh my slightly God. overwhelming. How did you but, get that? How did you get that fucking well, idea from it? Cause I, I, I got like, this idea from trailers. It, let me tell you, I got dead. this. Let me tell you, I got this idea from it from the fucking developers when they announced Halo Infinite back in 2014, you know, and they were already showing off the slip space engine, which was the one they were working on. So, I mean, Halo Infinite is not a new title in any way. I mean, they've been working on it for fucking, well, six to seven years before it even came out. Um, they literally announced it and showed an announcement trailer before they launched Halo 5, which came out in 2015, I think. But that's still six years before it actually released in 2021. Um, and now it's 2022, so that was, what, seven years ago? Um, if my math is right, I don't fucking know. But anyway, um, it to me, it's, it's like they decided to just kind of swing it more towards the multiplayer. And then they're like, oh, well, Forge will come a year later. Well, it's been over a year and there's no Forge. And then, of course, they uh, promised a lot of these campaign upgrades like I'm talking about now, which were supposed to kind of open the campaign up and also allow co-op and also do all these things that they talked about before releasing Halo Infinite. And I mean, they talked about these things in 2020, maybe 2021 before the game came out. And now it's just radio silence from Microsoft. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty pissed off, at least on the Halo front. Their show was shit. They're not doing anything to Halo Infinite. It's like, y'all need to give up halo y'all need to give y'all either need to give bungie a call and like beg them at the, your knees to do something about this and fucking put out all these fires and get the right team back on halo or y'all need to just let it go because it's it's past the point for me i'm like y'all show sucked there's so much dishonesty going on 
Y'all can't even keep up your own promises or even just talk about it for a second at your Microsoft Xbox award show. You can't just for a second be like, hey, by the way, we're still working on Halo Infinite. We don't have anything to show you, but we are working on it. Like, I would have been satisfied with at least that. So rant over, but there you go. Yeah, I mean, like, Halo's another fucking... <laughs> it was like another Star Wars situation. I'm like, you know, it, the fan base will not I'm allow... If I want to play Halo, I'll go put Halo 1 on on the Master yeah. Chief collection and fucking play it. And that's my, Just, you know, hey, play Halo you, 3 for the campaign and then say, great, awesome, that was fun, bye. Don't don't make a Halo game because you have to make a Halo game. Make a Halo game because you have a clear set goal idea. But yeah, and you want to make a Halo game. Exactly. Yeah, you want to do it. You're passionate about it. And I'm sure there's plenty of passionate people in there, but whoever's making like final decisions or whatever in the Halo realm is fucking dropping the ball hard. But moving on from Halo... Uh, I, you know what I'm excited for? High on life. What? The Rick and Morty, uh, co-creator, oh. Justin Roiland, right. high on life game, which looks fucking fun. It's stupid, but fun. Like your guns literally talk to you and talk shit, uh, as you go through like a sci-fi kind of realm and like stab ants with a talking knife. That is a knife. And that's just brilliant. I love it. I'm actually watching the trailer just kind of in the background. Somehow I missed that. Oh, you know what? I did see this one. Yeah, I did see this one. Yeah, it's and it looks cool. really good for like a like IP essentially. Um, and I played the Rick and Morty VR game, which is kind of the same ilk. Um, and they also had, did the Trover game as well. And if you're not a fan of Rick and Morty's kind of comedy, which I'm not even a super fan. I watch Rick and Morty like every once in a while, and I pretty much forget most of the episodes. Um it's still just an interesting concept that I'm looking It's sort of to. like Doom. I can see like Doom um, inspiration here. Oh, yeah. I mean, like a lot of first persons kind of have that inspiration. But the, the main, it looks like solid gameplay, but the main point being comedy. And I'm like, cool. I'm down for that. Yeah. Looks fun. Uh, they got the Dusk Falls game, which uh, reminds me of Tim and Eric uh, back oh, in yeah. the day. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. It's just, I, I get that that animation or that like kind of stop animation with real life people is a uh, certain vibe for people. I frankly hate it and I don't like looking at it. <laughs> like that's very just ugly. me personally. I, Huh? It's very ugly. I get this. There's a charm to some people, but not for me. But the next big thing I was very excited for, uh, and this is very recently, I really got into Forza Horizon 5 after recently kind of putting a nice little bow on the Hot Wheels game. And then I found out that Forza Horizon 5 is getting a Hot Wheels DLC edition. And I'm so fucking yep. ready for that. That's going to be <laughs> I, like, honestly, it looks great. It looks like so much fun because more games need to have big ass loops and side driving in the ridiculous degree. You know, Grand Theft Auto did it. Now Forza is doing it. If they have like a uh, course building thing for the Hot Wheels thing, then some people are going to make some great shit and I'm all excited for it. It's incredible, man. What what a world we live in. What a world. What an age. What a world. <laughs> yeah. Um, any any thoughts on that and for you, buddy? I'm just with you. I'm just with you, man. You're just hanging with me? I'm with you. Good. Um, Minecraft Legends. I kind of <laughs> glanced over that one. Moving on. <laughs> you, you I never joke. was a big Minecraft guy. Just never really... It never Neither really appealed I. to me. I know there's that big Minecraft poster, but that was uh, that was courtesy of Caden. So I mean, he was so, definitely just like 
super into PC gaming and didn't care what the game was. So he, whatever game was on PC, he would play and he was on it. He was on Minecraft when it was free and before it was even a, a thing, really. I mean, as big as it is now, I mean, he was definitely one of the pioneers there. Minecraft is fine. I have I respect what it did for the community. I've actually watched like Let's Plays of people doing stuff in Minecraft because I think that stuff is fun. But I, in my opinion, to really enjoy Minecraft, you need a big group of friends to all play it together and fuck around. And we never really had that group of friends that was into that. So right. that's, you know, how do we had a bunch of friends that were like, yeah, let's do uh you know, the sky building thing. I've been like, yeah, that sounds cool. But no, I just watched uh, Achievement Hunter instead. Right. <laughs> but I did recently get Minecraft Dungeons because it's kind of it's like a Diablo ripoff or not a ripoff, but Diablo-esque kind of game. And uh, after watching Diablo 4, I am ready to put that game down forever and just wait for Diablo 4 to come out because that awesome. looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Right. Diablo 4 was one of the ones I was going to touch on. I'm very yeah. excited for that. You God, know, I played and- quite a bit of Diablo 3. But I, I will make a um, I will make a um, I'll make a blanket statement here, because um, I to me it's not really that big of an issue. You know, video games are fun no matter what and how they're played. But in the case of Diablo three, I was just kind of led along a path by a friend of mine, and uh, this friend of mine was super beefy. And had all the stats and all the perks and everything. And I just kind of followed them around until I ended up being super beefy and having all these stats. And uh, just about every game I've played with this friend, that's been the situation. So I never really felt like in the case of like a couple of other games on that list would be like Blizzard games and stuff. Overwatch, whatever fucking World of Warcraft, even for like the two seconds I tried to play it. Um, this friend of mine was always so beefed up that I would immediately get perked up and then either like hit the point where it's like now shit's super de pretty hard and I can't get past it um, because I don't know how to get even more beefy than I already am. Or it feels like I've, I've lost out on like the entire experience of just getting to play the game myself and and earn that shit, you know, like how you do in Gauntlet, Dark Legacy, which is basically Diablo, um, especially Diablo 3, took a lot from the Gauntlet games where it's more of like a, you know, you go around, you attack stuff, and you upgrade stuff. Um, mm. And it's just, it's a shame because as much as I really love Diablo 3, I feel like I didn't get a, like a fair chance to play it. So I might, I might open it up on my computer at some point before Diablo 4 comes out and just start a new game and see... Uh, get that full experience, you know, because it's, and, and, and I'm not trying to dog my friend here that, that I did this with, cause I, I went into these games with the full understanding of that's what's going to go on, you know, and it was an agreement. Yeah. It's not like something I was like surprised to, but it's still, um, and at the time it's like, yeah, let's just fucking play the game. Let's just play, you know, fuck all this bullshit getting up to speed. Like, let's just play. But I find myself as I get older, like if I'm going to play a game, I kind of take my time with it more than I used to. And if I do sit down to play a game, it's rare that I play more than like an hour before I'm done with it. But Diablo does seem like one of those games that would be cool to just sit down, play a level or try to get past a certain thing and then put it down, you know? And man, uh, first of all, get on your switch. It's a perfect game to just kind of sit down on the couch and play. Uh, well, I have like, Hades on my Switch, and I've been playing that off and on. So I feel like if I'm going to play Diablo, and I have it on the computer already, so like I don't really want to buy it twice. 
That's and fair. So, but um, like, it's, it seems like a fun, like, hey, I'm going to sit down at the computer not to work, not to run the podcast, not to render out a thousand things, but to just give myself an hour with Diablo or something. But it's been a while. It's actually been a long time since I played a game on my computer. Yeah, I've I've only recently started picking that up with uh, Outriders again, like I was saying earlier. And it is actually a similar situation. And I was going to touch on the whole uh, playing multiplayer games with like friends where either you start off when they've already been playing for a long time or when you both start off at the same time and then for whatever reason like you don't play for a week or uh, something happens where they pretty much have time to just fucking jump levels uh when you're playing with someone that's completely overpowered uh based on your level thing it can it kind of takes a little bit of the fun out of it like you do play with a friend which is always cool and stuff like that but at the end of the day like you both want to grind or you both want to get challenged together like if one person's no matter what situation, if one person's just kind of like, you know, eh, whatever, then it's like, oh, okay, well, this is kind of like, I'm just hanging out with my dad right now. <laughs> right. But, uh, I, like the other day I was playing Outriders with Jared and, uh, Taylor and Jared and I have both played the game. Now Jared was a little bit higher level than me, but now we're, we're at the same point. Uh, but Taylor, we were at the end game shit where Taylor was, uh, very early on. And we were playing at his level, so we were both completely overpowered. Our thing was like, okay, we're only going to use like the pistol, which does shit damage, uh, and uh, mostly do emotes on enemies. So just just basically be bullet sponges for him. Uh, but so it is, it's a kind of situation of like, ah, oh, okay, it would be nice to like kill more people or get really pushed. Like yesterday, it was just me and Jared, so we did end game shit, and we were both fucking dying and like. Like, okay, we got to push this, do this. Hey, we're popping down over here. Like, it's a lot more tactical and stuff. So it's a it's a, uh, it's a formal thing. The best thing I can recommend to anyone who likes playing games with their friends like that is to just make a character you're only going to play with that friend. In fact, both parties. Just make a character you're only going to play together and then make your own profile to do whatever the hell you want. Go at your own speed, whatever. But whenever that friend is on, you play on that one. That's the best method, in my opinion, to do it. Yep, I agree. Of course, if that friend never comes on, then, you know, fuck him. But still. Uh. Yeah. Well, uh, I I agree. There's a time and a place, and it depends on the game, for sure. But yeah, um, uh, for a game like Diablo, where you can't have a single-player option, I just find myself playing single-player games, you know, more than anything else. I'm, pro- I'm probably halfway through Resident Evil 4 on my Switch. I pick up Hades every once in a while to just do a couple things. Every once in a while, I'll pick up um, Hot Wheels on my Switch and race a few tracks. Um, I got I got God of War, Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl, which I'll touch on in a second here, and um, Fallen Order all for free on my PS4. So I got Fallen Order because it was 10 bucks, and I had a gift card balance of like 10 something. So I really paid like 75 cents or whatever for Fallen Order. But I was like, I, it would be nice to play this in 4K on the PS4 Pro. And it's holding up just great. It plays it better than my computer did, kind of. Um, especially if you put it in performance mode, which is technically 1080p, but whatever. Um, but Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl, like it... Riley, <laughs> he tried to get me to fucking 
play that game and buy that game for months and I finally got it for free and I'm like thank god I didn't buy this game. I'm already I already feel buyer's remorse for Hot Wheels in a lot of ways just cuz it's not necessarily my jam. It's it's extremely grindy and I'm like uh, no, no, I'm, no 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 we've had this discussion. Right. Moving on. But but uh yeah, Nickelodeon All-Stars Brawl is very lacking in my opinion. I'm like, dude, thank god I didn't spend 50 bucks or 60 bucks on this fucking game. I would have been mad at myself. And there's still like uh, I, DLC characters you have to buy, and I'm like, dude, screw all that. I'm excited for the multiverses game. Uh, now that the, looks cool, and it's free to play. That's cool. It is free to play, and the gameplay I've been seeing from it, it actually seems pretty fair, and it's a nice touch. It's not just an exact copy like of Smash Brothers. You have like stats with different characters. Like some people do shield stats, some people do attack bonuses with like other people that you play with. So I'm like, okay, this is an interesting kind of add on. A little bit of an add-on, right, right. but uh, main, yeah, I, I downloaded the SpongeBob thing too, and I haven't even fucking touched it. I'm like, I have no interest in this. <laughs> um, so mostly, I'm just playing a little bit of Fallen Order and a little bit of Hades. Those are like the only two games I'll pick up every once in a while, and um, sometimes Hot Wheels. Sometimes it's another yeah. game I'm glad I didn't pay full price on, but I'm still bro, like, stop. Still, <laughs> you've dogged on it enough, and we both just. We both have different opinions on it. It's fine. I'm not trying to dog on it. I'm just saying. You keep doing it. Every time I see you, even in like real life, you just dog on it. It's fine. It's a fun game, but yeah. Hey. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> so, uh, fucking Starfield. Yeah. AKA funny. No Man's Sky 2. Yeah, I'm just kind of like, okay. Yeah, it looks very okay. Um, I mean, the idea of like making your own ship is kind of the... Uh, Honestly, that's the thing that interested me the most in that gameplay. I was like, oh, yeah, build my own ship, get my own crew and stuff like that. Like get a, you know, cowboy bebop situation going on or something like that. That it's like it leaves a lot of room for internal. Okay, I mean, this is going to come off weird. Internal fan fiction, essentially. <laughs> like you make your own ship. You're like, oh, I'm a renegade, whatever. I do this. Although the game will probably write its own course for you, whatever. It's just a that's that's cool. It's a cool idea. Uh. I mean, people who hype the fuck out of it, you know, everyone's laughing at them because it's just like, well, why would you hype it up this big? You should know that although Bethesda makes good games and stuff like that, Todd Howard makes good games. It's never anything fucking superficially. It's nothing fucking mind blowing. It's just good. It's really good. It's fun to play. But, you know, Elder Scrolls Skyrim is a great game. It's not yeah. a mind blowing game. Even at the time, it wasn't a mind blowing game. It was just a great, fun game. Yeah. Yeah. So people are just like, I can't believe this. And fuck off. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. To me, it's just like, I, it's just another No Man's Sky. And so it's, it's got enough differences. Like you said, the shipbuilding aspect seems cool um, to where I, I'm not hating on it. But I'm not necessarily like super stoked for it either. I'm just kind of like, well, eh fucking ballsy move to like brag about the multiple worlds thing. It's like, you sure you don't want to put that one close to the chest? Cause that is very no man's sky of you to say. And that has still to this day has a terrible taste in people's mouths. Yeah. That didn't turn out very well for no man's sky at first. They sure did turn that ship around, but damn, it took them a while, man. They, they deserve a gold medal for, uh, all that shit for sure. Yeah. That's like kind of a breakthrough. I mean, I've never seen anybody kind of, Dig, dig from the trenches back up, you know, and be okay. And that's um, that's just like show goes to show. You should listen to your fans. You know, you should listen to the input that people give you because 
most of the time it is valid. Yes, agreed. Um, which as a young company, they did a great job of doing. Uh, hopefully they stick with it. I think they're already working on a new game and I hope they kind of stick with it. Was um, System Shock remake announced on the Xbox showcase? Was that a different showcase? Okay, I think it was talked about. I don't remember they showed any gameplay footage. I didn't actually watch the live stream. Um, or I kind of did, but I, I browsed through it really quickly because I was already over by the time I started watching. Well, System Shock looks awesome. It's just, it's a remake of the original, but um, I believe it's the same team who made Bioshock. So, yeah, um, that that looks cool. Uh, switching a little bit over to the Capcom gameplay thing. I know this is running a little late, but I really only had like one thing to talk about from Capcom. Okay. Because everything else was pretty much meh. Uh, did you watch that at all? I didn't. Oh, wait, you know what? I, I did see a couple things just from like our group chat and looked up a couple things. Didn't see shit about Beautiful Joe on Switch. Another year. Another no beautiful Joe on Switch. Fuck yep. it, I'm fine. I don't want to talk about it. So, uh, Exo Primal looks pretty interesting. Uh, yeah. Did you watch any gameplay on that one? I did. I saw that one. That was interesting for sure. So, first of all, the ability to switch weapons and switch uh, classes, or in this case, armors, while you're playing whatever mission, more games need to do that. That's that's a cool feature. You should do that. Just put that out there. Uh, Design of the world is pretty cool. I thought. It is cool. Uh, the hordes of dinosaurs coming at you is very World War Z, which I have no problems with whatsoever. This is probably one of the only games I've ever watched that has made me want to be a S.H.I.E.L.D. character because the S.H.I.E.L.D. animation and gameplay looks fucking sick. Like, you you see him charge at it. You get the weight of, like, whatever giant creature or multiple creatures coming at the S.H.I.E.L.D. guy. And then you see like your percentage going down of how much you can do until you fucking push them all back. And it just looks really satisfying. That's, that's the big, best thing I can say about this. This game looks really satisfying to play in a lot of aspects. Um, very, and very then, devil may cry kind of in uh, some ways. Eh, no, I would, I would not say that. Cause even the action character only has like three attacks at cycle back, like cycle over and over again, uh, which is not devil may cry in my opinion, but it, it does look fun. It, it looks a lot of fun. It looks like every class, even the healing class, is fun to play, um, which is the most important thing to do because if you don't make a healer fun, no one's going to want to play as them. Right. And it's an interesting aspect that it starts off, for anyone who didn't watch it, it starts off PvE. So that means player versus enemies, like robots, enemies, AI. Um, and you see like the holograph version of the team you're going against. And the, the, you'll have a robot on the screen tell you like, you know, the enemy team cleared this point faster. You cleared this point faster. And after you do that amount of times, eventually you're both pushing the payload, which this part started to lose me a little bit. Hopefully this isn't every single match. Hopefully it's just like one type. Um, but because pushing a payload is very Overwatch 2, which the reason I didn't mention Overwatch 2 is because neither I or Stefan really care about Overwatch 2. Right? Yeah, no. I don't really care. Yeah. I don't, it's free to play. Cool. Moving on from Overwatch 2. So you basically push the payload, but the interesting part is you're both pushing a payload. It's not one pushing and one stopping or vice versa. You push it up into a meeting point and then you both start going against each other. But it's, it's short. That's not the main point of the game, which I appreciate. I don't want a full PvP type situation because that's just not really my type of game. I like PvEs mainly with a, a little sprinkling of PvP is not a bad thing, which is, potentially what this game is doing. So I'm keeping my eye on this one. I think it's worth keeping an eye on personally. 
I agree. Um, oh, and speaking of uh, pushing payloads and stuff like that, I the new subscription for PlayStation came out, so I tried playing a PS3 game on my PS5. How'd that turn out? Can you guess what game I picked? Infamous. One guess. Wrong. Uh, it was Brink. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, which, goddamn, I forgot how fucking shit the controls are on that game for PlayStation because it's like L1 to aim, R1 to shoot, L2 to run and do the like smart system, whatever, quote unquote. Um, but it's actually running pretty well. It looked like shit, but that's because it's like, you know, almost more than 10 years old at this point. And uh, but it was actually running well up until my PlayStation died. But that's my own PlayStation fault. Nothing, nothing on uh, the streaming side. So I, I look forward to trying some other games and seeing if those die as well. Um, but so far, not a bad step. Nice. Very cool. And with that, that's all the topics I wanted to say. I just want oh, to get those and then Resident out. Evil uh, 8 is getting an update to where you can play it in third person and they're adding a new DLC. And then they also announced Resident Evil 4 remake. I'm curious about the third person thing because that uh, I feel like that's kind of would take away from the the modern Resident Evil games. I don't know. But, I'm excited. I mean, hey, just to have the option at all is cool. You don't have to do it, but you can do it, which exactly. is what a lot of games should do. Exactly. Options are that. They're just options. Yeah, baby. All right. Well, right. Stefan, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Nope. I'm good. Okay. Well, um, I'm sorry. I forced you to be in this podcast. You're uh, welcome. It's okay. Nine minutes longer than you wanted to be. I know you had a, uh, <laughs> I'm good, a chicken you. sandwich in the fridge that you wanted to eat. No, I don't. You can eat it now. Uh, but everyone else, you can eat your chicken sandwiches uh, while going to www.theemptyglasspodcast.com, where once again, you can listen to us on Spotify, on Apple, on Podbean, on the Subway Beta Test podcast site. You can listen to us wherever. You can listen to our pre-recorded, our previously recorded items on Twitch. Hell, you can join us next time on Twitch. Wouldn't that be nice? You in the comments, me and Stefan not shutting the fuck up for hours or a hour or 45 minutes if we're, you know, really cutting corners here. But, uh, hey, we look forward to seeing you next time, but not really because we can't see anything. Goodbye. Goodbye.